you're listening to the Televisionary Minisode. In this episode, Cody and I talk about two of our favorite TV shows that just might become your next TV binge. I had someone give me a hug the other day. Really? Because she said, so she was listening to our Hey Arnold episode Mm. and she was having a really bad day and it made her day better because she was like laughing with us and having a nice time and she gave me a big hug wow it wasn't a stranger but i mean it's still Uh nice uh yeah (laughs) yeah anyway thanks for validating us (laughs) if you're listening and tell us that we're doing a good job we appreciate hearing that because i mean we always like what we have done for the most part on here but it is nice to know that other people think it's also a good job i laugh at us Uh, i do too (laughs) it's fun for me too because we record these things and then like elena does all the editing which she deserves like so much credit for and like she'll send me an finished edited episode and like i will be laughing at things that i forgot that either of us had said like yeah it's just fun to relive the episodes not to keep talking about it too much but i just every time i think about the american idols (laughs) episode and you going he's not dr pepper himself (laughs) i laugh so hard oh anyway Hmm. what show are you going to be talking about today cody well, I am going to be talking about a little show called Catastrophe. Have you heard of Catastrophe? Ooh, no, I've never heard of it. Huh, well, let me educate you. Okay. So Catastrophe is a British show that is also an Amazon Prime original. So I don't know if it was like a co-production or if it was just something that was on British TV first and then Amazon picked it up. But I think eventually Amazon started airing it before it was released in Britain. But anyway, it ran for four seasons from 2015 to 2019. Rob Delaney and Sharon Horgan are the co-creators and the co-stars. They also co-wrote every episode of the show. They are a couple who have a one-night stand Uh, Well, not a couple at first, but two people who have a one-night stand while Rob is in London on a business trip. Rob is American, Sharon is Irish, but now living in London. And from that one-night stand... Yes. Is she the lady from Downton Abbey? No. Okay, never mind. Continue. I don't think she was on Downton Abbey. I don't remember her being on it. (laughs) Okay, never mind. Who do you think she was on Downton Abbey? Like, were you confusing her with someone in particular? Like, one of the Uh... daughters? No, the blonde lady who worked as, like, a maid. Oh, Anna Bates. Mm-hmm. No, Joanne Froggett is the actress who plays okay, her. Okay, never mind. Uh, anyway, Rob and Sharon are also the characters' names. So, as I keep referring to them as Rob and Sharon, I'm not just naming the actors. Just to clear that up for everyone. <laughs> Sharon's Sharon ends up pregnant from the one-night stand. They end up sort of trying to have a relationship and kind of get engaged too quickly for a number of reasons. So from there, the show just deals with a lot of real life issues that couples and humans in general go through. Like for example, Sharon has a condition called cervical dysplasia, which could complicate her pregnancy. And with her being 41 years old, there's an increased risk of the baby having Down syndrome. So it's like, there's some serious real stuff in there, but it's also really funny and really sweet and really well written. They were actually 
nominated for an Emmy for comedy series writing for the pilot. Wow. Other things, like later in the series, like Sharon finds out that Rob's ex had miscarried their baby many years ago, and like that makes her her kind of like neurotic thinking that Rob might have only wanted to marry her so that she could bear his child like that kind of stuff they like will occasionally question each other's fidelity like it just explores the feelings that they have for each other and how those change or don't change over the course of their relationship and i feel like it does that in a way that not many shows do like Mm -hmm. at its core it's a show about this catastrophe the unplanned pregnancy but it ends up becoming like the best thing that ever happened to either of them because they find you know their true love because of it and they might not always be convinced that it's the best thing that ever happened to them but they always come back around to that love that they sort of accidentally discovered and it's just really nice and sweet in that way and there are also a lot of other dynamics outside of just romantic and sexual relationships that they explore on the show like their various friends and family play a big part in things and sometimes they're dealing with their own issues sometimes just feeding into Sharon and Rob's. And one of my favorite characters is Rob's mom, who's played by Carrie Fisher. Oh, wow. um, Like, it's one of her final on-screen roles. It actually might have been the last thing that she filmed before she died. I'm not positive on that, but... Wow. She was in just one episode in the third season, and that came out in, like, the middle... beginning to middle of 2017, which would have been just a couple of months after she died and she was actually nominated for a guest actress emmy for that performance wow very cool yeah and like there are other storylines about things like sexual harassment in the workplace alcoholism and addiction and financial struggles health struggles it's just like a unique examination of both interpersonal and intrapersonal issues Mm-hmm. Like, why do we engage with other people the way that we do? And why do we engage within ourselves the way that we do? And the show never gets, like, super deep into those things. It doesn't really, like, have those discussions. But if you think about, you know, the way that the characters act and you know the reasoning behind some of the things that they do, I think it's, like, a pretty fascinating psychological case study, even though it's all fictional. <laughs> like, it just does a really good job of like showing the characters going through some kind of dark times but like you always root for them and relate to them it's just a very human show i really want to watch this yeah and it's quick too like there are four seasons of six episodes each only about like 25 to 30 minutes so like you can breeze through it really fast awesome i think you would like it a lot I, I think I would, too. I'm kind of surprised you hadn't heard of it. It's not the show I thought you were talking about, for sure. Oh, really? What did you think I was talking about? <laughs> I, I don't remember the name of the series. I guess I could look it up. Is it something else you thought I had talked to you about? No. Or... What was the lady from Downton Abbey? What was her name? Joanne Froggett. Yes. Okay. Hold on. I'm doing a really bad job of finding it right now. (laughs) Sorry, she's in this TV series called Liar. Have you heard of it? Hmm. No, I haven't. So it's a British thriller where these two people have a one night stand and then it becomes all about whether or not it was a sexual assault. Hmm. So it's like goes back and forth and like no one believes her and whatnot. And then like it all resolves in the end and... 
whatnot. But that is not what you talked about. And it's not what I'm going to talk about today either because I haven't watched it. <laughs> well, what are you going to talk about? So today I'm talking about a show I can't believe I've never talked about here. I'm going to talk about Top Chef today. Ooh, okay. So Top Chef is hands down my absolute favorite reality show ever. And at this point, I've watched many, but for a long time, Top Chef was really the only reality show I watched. And if you haven't seen it, it's been around for a long time. It airs on Bravo. It premiered in 2006. They just finished their 18th season in 2021. Hmm. And I don't see the show going away because it's fairly successful. It spawned a million spinoffs. There's Top Chef Masters, Top Chef Junior, Top Chef Amateurs, and it also has 24 international versions. Wow. So yeah, it's very successful. The gist of the show is not really remarkable. It's kind of like every other reality competition show. Each episode has a quick fire challenge where the contestants do a short timed like cooking challenge and they win a prize or they win an advantage in the elimination challenge, which is the bigger focus of the episode. Each season, there's 12 to 18 contestants and one person sometimes two, but usually just one person gets eliminated each episode based on how they do in the elimination challenge. There's a lot that I appreciate about this show. One, I think it's remarkable. Like there's other cooking shows out there, but I really feel like this is the cooking competition show. And it's interesting because in like RuPaul's Drag Race, for example, you can watch the people in the challenges and you can know based on what you saw how you think they did. But on Top Chef, like you can't taste this food. Like you are just looking at it and you have to trust the judges to a certain degree. And that's what the show does so well. I think the judging panel, it's headed by Padma Lakshmi, who doesn't have a huge culinary background, at least not going into this show, but since then has really become kind of a culinary commentator of sorts. Like she's written a bunch of books about spices and all of these very kind of technical things about food and is genuinely just like the best host of a show ever. And she is a judge as well. She's just so professional, so cordial to everyone, just so classy. And it's funny because she wasn't the host of the first season. The host of the first season got fired and replaced by her. And that's amazing because she's so much better than what I've seen of the first season's host. The other main judges are Gail Simmons, who I think worked for like Food and Wine magazine. She's kind of irrelevant, but the main judge is Tom Colicchio. He's a famous chef. And I remember reading in Anthony Bourdain's book, Medium Raw, that as long as Tom Colicchio is head judge of Top Chef, producers are not influencing the show, at least in who goes home each week. Like Anthony Bourdain served as a judge for a couple seasons and writes extensively about how impressive the show is and how the show really pushes chefs to become something they never knew that they were. Because when you're cooking in a restaurant, like a lot of these people, whether or not they have like a super prestigious background or not, they're cooking other people's foods. Like they're not always the head chef. So to come on a competition like this, where you're under so much pressure to push yourself to make your food, like that's what the judges always say, like 
cook us your food. I think the competition provides this way for people to figure out what that is, and it can be very, very compelling to watch, especially because as the show has gone on, it's responded to a lot of the criticism that it's received for mainly featuring white male chefs, which is kind of what the standard has been forever in like the culinary industry. But the reality is the majority of people cooking your food are immigrants. And the show has made a huge move to highlight high quality chefs who are maybe first or second generation Americans and allowing them to cook their food and making their food sit at the same level as like French food or like what we have for years considered to be, you know, the pinnacle of dining. So it's it's very fun to watch from that angle. And I think the show really seeks to educate its viewers. So the show each season like highlights a different part of the US. So they'll they've done a season in Seattle, in Texas, in Charleston. So they'll go all over the United States and they really do a good job of like showcasing that region of the US and the cuisine of that area. For example, in their Charleston season, they highlighted the Gullah culture or the Gullah Geechee culture. Have you ever heard of No, I don't think I have. So neither had I. And the Gullah culture is a Creole kind of culture where it's like a melding of all of these different languages and ethnicities with their roots in Africa. So in Charleston, like all of these slaves were coming to the U.S., but they were all from different places in Africa. So they didn't share a common language or like history. So they would kind of create their own language and get made fun of for it. But what is so remarkable about the Gullah culture is that there's 200,000 Gullah people in the United States today. It's one of the largest like subsects of like cultures within the U.S. And I had never heard of it. And Top Chef made it a point to go there and like let the chefs experience this food. That's what the show does well. The past few seasons have been some of the best seasons and I don't think I can name another show that in its 17th season is like in my mind making the best content it's ever made you know what Mm -hmm. I mean yeah that is amazing anyway I was a little bit all over the map there but it's really entertaining and I would highly recommend it if you just want to watch some beautiful food (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's the problem I always have with food on TV is like, I want to be able to taste stuff. Like, sure, it looks nice, but my stomach doesn't care how it looks. <laughs> like, my tongue doesn't care how it looks. It just wants to taste it. So I've just never been a person to, like, get excited about, like, anything on, like, Food Network or a show like Top Chef or, you know, Master Chef, any of the, you know, co- cooking competition shows like that but it from what i understand from top chef mostly from what i've heard about you there is a lot more emphasis on like you know the cultural side of mm-hmm. the you know culinary arts and not just <laughs> about making tasty food it's you know so much more about bringing yourself into what you are cooking and preparing and the fact that they give people the opportunity to display their you know 
their culture through their food is pretty awesome and it can be illuminating i would think for viewers to be able to see that and like the gullah culture i never heard about that until you told me just now like that's amazing it makes me want to go find out more about that so that's really cool i am sure that i would enjoy it even if i can't taste any of it (laughs) i would just enjoy the the competition aspect of it i wish you could taste it. That technology will come around in about 50 years, probably. Smell a vision, but taste uh-huh. a vision. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> well, well, alrighty. Guess that's it for this mini Thanks for listening. Thank you. And if you have anything to tell us, then find us on Instagram at Televisionary Podcast or send us a nice handwritten letter. Oh, yes, but we're not going to give you any address, so good luck with that one. No, just write our names on the letter. We live in different states, 1,300 miles apart, so (laughs) if you send us one letter, one of us is not going to get it. (laughs) (laughs) Have a great day. Bye. Bye! Thanks for listening to Televisionary. If you like what you heard, share this episode with a friend. You can follow us on Instagram at Televisionary Podcast, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. Bye!